Welcome to AO On Air. This is a podcast from ActiveOps, allowing us to present you topics ranging from operations management, leadership, technology, and new innovations. Check out all our episodes on YouTube channel AOTV or with your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple or Spotify. Now let's begin. Hello and welcome to AO On Air. My name is Michael Cups, and I'll be talking with three of our colleagues down in Australia today. I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to tackle the uh, potential management in economic times, uh, in tough economic times, that is. Uh, so I'll get to the audience in just a moment. Just a reminder, AO On Air is sponsored by ActiveOps, and we are. you can find us on AOTV at YouTube, or you can go find us on Spotify or other channels to listen to other episodes. So welcome to the guest. Jane, Rosalie, and Martin, hello, how are you? Hi. Very well, thanks, Martin. Right, thanks. Excellent. Olga, thank you. Thanks, thanks for joining us today. I know it's early your time, but we appreciate you getting up early and joining us and, and uh, looking forward to the discussion. So why don't we start with uh, just a little bit of setting. We, we've been talking with senior leaders around the globe. We've also done a global survey of, of leadership and, and employees in uh, the continents of Australia, the UK, and, and North America. And we've gotten some interesting facts, and we want to continue to ask the same questions because it's, it's interesting to see the different perspectives, either regionally as well as just uh, the uncertainty that, that we all have with, with certain economic conditions that could, could, could be thrust upon us, et cetera. But let's start by getting to know you. Why don't we start with you, Jane? Could you do a quick introduction of yourself? Yeah, no problem, Michael. So, Jane Pretty, um, I'm a relationship manager at ActiveOps. Uh, I've got, oh, I'd say... 20 plus years uh, leadership experience, ops leadership across multiple industries. So I'm talking retail, banking, insurance, and wealth industries. So a lot of experience there. Excellent. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today, Jane. How about you, Martin? Some of it, some people may remember you from the last time we chat, chatted. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Uh, look, I, I'm currently doing the um, customer relationship director role uh, across Asia Pac for ActiveOps. And uh, similar to Jane, I, I've had operational experience in most um, most banking uh, banking disciplines, retail, corporate, institutional, uh, business banking. So, um, yeah, it's uh, been about, I think I said last time, several decades, Michael. Yes, exactly. Well, welcome back. Good to see you again. And Rosalie, you'll have a bit of an Australia and South African experience for us. That's right. I'm, I'm originally from South Africa. I worked in a, in a um, bank there for 16 years, um, and I've been working for ActiveOps for the past six years, of which three years I've been in South Africa and three years in Australia. Excellent. Welcome. Well, good to see you all. So, so I think, uh, you know, we'll start off just asking the, the, the obvious question. So have you managed, and all of you have a lot of experience, have you managed through tough economic times in the past? I know the pandemic is, we've all lived through that and worked through that in the recent years. But if you could think a little further back, anything, Rosalie, can we start with you? Where, what, what, what do you recall in your history? I have a very interesting um, memory of the 2008 global um, recession. Um, I was a team leader for about two years when the recession hit. And the first bit of the recession was really tough because um, we didn't expect the complexity that came with the recession. There was um, a significant increase in volumes and lots of overtime that had to be worked. And I remember how it felt on the floor working with the teams about the, you know, just not, you didn't know what to expect. 
Um, the second half of it was really interesting in that um, we had an, an executive who was a sponsor and he decided that he was going to bring in a structured operations management process. Um, and that happened in 2009. And you could see the before and after um, of what that ops management process did in the business. So um, uh, it was ability to start looking at volumes in a different way, not just looking at what happened and um, reactively um, uh, reacting to it, but um, structured um, forward look planning, um, as well as understanding what happened um, historically and how that will influence what's going to happen going forward. Excellent. Well, very good. That's interesting. And uh, the, the two sides of the coin there that you've had, you experienced as well, it'll be interesting. I look forward to asking you a few more questions about that in just a moment. How about you, Jane? Yeah, I think 20 years experience, it's uh, unavoidable, I guess. Like I've probably off the top of my head, I think three significant events. And you think about that every seven years, you tend to experience one. Um, I think, yeah, September 11 was the first one. And that was pretty big because everyone in Australia, and I guess the world, but particularly Australia, and at the time I was managing um, superannuation. So you can imagine um, everyone was very scared of the future. Well, they, you pretty much felt like there was no future. So no one wanted to invest in the future. So work pretty much dried up at that point, And that was a really difficult time. The, pen, the global financial crisis was a little bit different um, from my Rosalie's experience to mine. It was a flip of that. It was actually in Australia, we kind of managed to avoid that. And I was in insurance at the time. So there was a bit of money to spend, but it still meant there was a bit like Rosalie, increased volume. So having to deal with that. And then probably my ro most recent 2018, where APRA really cracked down on um, lending criteria and what what happened for us. So I was managing, I was in mortgages at the time and we pretty much, we had this strategy and it was today's work today, which was great at the time um, when that was created. However, um, what did happen when APRA cracked down on lending criteria, the work dried up. So today's work today, we had pretty much 50% less volumes and nothing to do, but we had um, strategies around that, which was great. So we worked through that. Yeah, interesting. We, we're seeing interest rates in the U.S. go up yet again, and so I think the banks are feeling that pressure that there's just less people applying for loans in that regard. So correct. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Martin? Yeah, so certainly been through uh, all of all of the above. I, th I think the um, you know the the one that sticks in in my mind is is probably. You know the 2008 one. Um, you know there, there wasn't just uh, certainly uncertainty around um, you know the global economy, but also the social economy, and I, I think that that created a really interesting dynamic uh, because there was pressure from from all parts. So I, I think uh, that that was uh, particularly interesting um, from a from a what did that look like perspective. You know, you know, pe people were stressed. I think, um, you know, with with uh, all all of the world events going on, I think the um, uh, 
the, the bigger issues around um, work, centralization, process improvement, um, you know, centralized areas were becoming more centralized, if, if, I, if I could say that. Um, lots of things were being consolidated. Um, there was lots of uncertainty around, you know, what what does good look like? And uh, dealing, dealing with all those issues, I think, created a lot of complexity. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting because we probably will get into the discussion about how the employees are affected, but they're still there to work and do a job, and but they still have the same anxiety that other people have. So we'll get to that. So why don't we start by going just around and talking about it? There's been just you know, it, there's been a while, as Jane mentioned. There's probably seven years since uh, some people have seen a a tough time economically. And so either new people in the workforce or maybe people that were on the front lines of the workforce that have been promoted up weren't in more of the planning phases of, of their, their role. They were just executing. So I, I'd like to ask each of you if you have a few bullet points or, or uh, ideas for those young managers, uh, leaders, and operations of how they should either plan for or prepare for uh, tough economic conditions. Uh, Martin, why don't we start with you? Yeah, sure. So, look, man managing performance is is really key. So, I, I think really understanding um, how people are performing and what sort of support they need is uh, is is absolutely critical. I think um, if if you don't understand that, you you can't necessarily set the vision and set the you know the stretch and the and the challenge to to the team. And also, the team will start to you know develop uh, develop cracks because you know it'll be carried by a few and um you know participated by many but uh i think the other the other one michael is quality and you know quality is a you know it's an essential aspect because at the end of the day it is a massive drag on on capacity when things are getting done twice three times four times you know in, in these times you just can't afford to um deliver a substandard quality because you just don't have the time to do it yeah very good good points uh rosalie you want to go second uh, um i think in in times of chaos which is associated with any kind of um uh, crisis it is important to create consistency and, and that consistency, I always talk about the, the McDonald's of operations management. And that is, if you if you order a Big Mac, everybody knows, irrespective of which country you're in, what a back, Big Mac, they, they know what to expect from a Big Mac. And that should be the same in operations. So um, understanding um, that uh, the terminology, the performance, the KPIs, and, and talking the same language, it is so essential just to create that bit of consistency for, for leaders. Yeah, very good. Very good. Excellent. Jane, how about you? Yeah, I, I agree with Rosalie. I think consistency is important. So that whole structure and rhythm, um, you tend to, I guess, when you're experiencing something different, throw away everything you know, but <laughs> stick to what you know and keep doing it. Keep doing what you always do um, is really helpful. Control and focus, I think, is really important. Like there's a lot happening um, that you have no control over. Um, so just stick to what you can control and focus on that. I think that's really useful. Support and patience is key um, for yourself, your people, um, and, you know, utilise your, your peers um, to do that. I think that's important. You need to look after yourself. And I think opportunities for me is because with all um, adversity becomes opportunity. So there's always, do you know what I mean? I, I kind of like to think that um, with everything bad comes good. 
Yeah, excellent. And, you know, I was thinking uh, a little bit before this that you guys kind of had chaos. I think one, one of you used the word chaos and, and tragedies. And you, you, Australia was dealing with wildfires before the pandemic, and then the pandemic was right on the heels of that. And I, I think one Correct. of your customers, it, I think it was CoreLogic, had a wonderful quote about just be, being able to have the data and being in control as you kind of went from one tragedy to another tragedy, if you will, or chaos to chaos. Uh, all good points. Thank you so much for those bullets. Um, let's let's dig into it a little bit. And Martin, you and I spoke a couple of months ago, and and that podcast was published. And you 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 hit on it then. You were we we spent some time talking about the cost and quality balance and getting that right. And you kind of hit on quality again here. Um, and, and, and rework costs you more because not only, uh, you get potentially making a customer, uh, upset, but you also have to work it again and again. So could you share a little bit about, you know, how to plan for that cost quality, cost quality, uh, balance that you, you talk about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I think it's understanding quality and it's understanding the impact that quality has on, um, you know, on, on the capacity that you've got in terms of the the people that you've got to work with and it, it's really important and it's sort of inter, interwoven with some of the uh, discussion that jane and rosalie have had around standards and consistency um you know in you know to to produce good quality you do have to have good standards you do have to um check those uh check those standards you do have to be curious about how people are performing their role and you know, yes, that does take time and energy, but the uh, impact of that is absolutely massive because, you know, if, if you spend you know 15 minutes doing a, a process confirmation, for example, you know, that may save you actually doing three hours of repeat work because you have to do several things uh, time and time again. So it, it really is just understanding the level of quality, the target that you want to set um, in terms of what good quality looks like. Um, and you know, we always use the example that you know, good quality on a on a on a plane flight is a hundred percent. But uh, you know, good quality on a on a on a mortgage process might be ninety eight percent. So it's really about making sure that you find that balance and you you create the room for your people in in the plan to get it right. Um, you know, you you if you set productivity levels too high and if you you set the pace too high. You will see the the adverse impact coming out the other side of things getting done wrong and having to be done uh, again and again and again. So, finding that consistency and that balance, and you know, it's sometimes not about always bettering yourself, but having a more consistent and a more uh, stable environment sometimes uh, rings yeah. true. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and consistency came up twice. I think uh, Rosalie, you mentioned it in the customer example of. When you order a Big Mac, you expect to get a Big Mac, uh, and it's consistent with your past experience. And and Jane, you mentioned some about the employees' inconsistency. Uh, so, you know, can you talk a little bit more about that? Either one of you, or all three of you, uh, maybe not at once, but each at a time. That consistency. So, so I, I'm guessing that involves, you know, for your customers being able to consistently deliver on time. And and as Martin said, the quality has to be there. Uh, let's start with the customer, and then let's go to the employees, maybe. So for me, the consistency, I guess, was around, so that structure and rhythm, that was around uh, sticking with, you know, your buzzers, your framework, your buzzers, your planning, um, your review meetings, so your, your load, your variance, sticking with all of those because what isn't consistent during those times 
is your uh, volumes, right? Mm. So you might have four years of historical data that say you should get X amount right now, but you know um, in the current times that that has just been thrown out the window. Like um, your new forecast could be totally different, right? So if you've got consistency and you stick to the process, you will quickly uh, understand what that forecast now looks like and you can plan for that. And then that gives a consistent outcome for your people because they're following that consistent process. They know, okay, what I'm getting is different, but what I need to do is the same. And then for your customer, um, back to what Martin was saying before about that balancing, if you get that new forecast, you know exactly what you're going to get and you can match your people to that work, your customer will then get that consistent out outcome that they're looking for. So that whole experience of serve our uh, sorry for service and quality yep yeah i think that's really important excellent that's that's and you're spot on and, and rosalie you had the big mac example so let's talk about that with the customer <laughs> you know customers expect whether you're getting a service from a bank an insurance company superannuation as, as jane mentioned they expect quality and they expect the same outcome for for the request do you, do you have a perspective on how to deliver consistency well, I, I think um, it, it all starts with employees. They need to know and understand what they are talking about, how they are processing and operations as a whole. So um, if we think about um, how people interpret a word like productivity, everybody has a different version and understanding of what they see productivity to be as. But the moment you align everybody to have exactly the same understanding of all these things and KPIs in the operations, it makes it easier because you, you're driving in the same direction and that's how you deliver for your customers. But it also helps um, uh, team leaders and, and um, managers to um, uh, be able to um, manage in the same format. So um, have the same good practice or best practice um, and, and um, follow through with that. So um, it, it creates that consistency within leading a team, which is really difficult when um, people are vulnerable and people are um, uh, suffering from anxiety because of what might be happening at home. Um, a lot of the time, in order to manage those volumes, a lot of overtime has worked, and that really distresses staff members and, and employees through the process um, and uh, increases absenteeism. So that consistency of knowing what you can control and then only running around for that 10 or 15% where you have a variance makes a massive difference within the business. Yeah, so, so you, you hit on something there around overtime and anxiety and stress, but you also, I think it was you earlier said, uh, have support and patience of your, your employees. I think that was one of one of, one of of the three of you mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, so the I'm curious, you know, is it better forecasting and planning? Is it just better daily interactions? What is there? Maybe it's maybe it's all of the above. But what is it, Rosalie, that you think is kind of really important to, to provide that support and patience to your your employees, especially you know today with hybrid work and things like that, where you may not see them in the office. I think it's it's consistent communication and structure. So being available and having an understanding of when to be available. So if you have those structured meetings, um, uh, providing a consistent ops management approach, that 
means that um, they, they know where they need to be and at what time. It also creates that opportunity of having data available to share insights, to do proper planning for your staff members and sharing those plans and insights with um, the teams. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great point. Sorry, Michael. I, I just wanted to reinforce that. I mean, the employees, they have the known unknowns, right? They, they know the environment is going to be all over the place. They know it's going to be um you know very the variances and the variables of, of how work comes in in these times is is going to be um you know it, it's going to be manic uh but to have a process and to know that the people that are managing that process actually have a way through that and actually have a consistent way through that and they see that happening everywhere across their their peer group i think is absolutely critical because then you know what seems like an environment that is out of control actually becomes um, an environment that is being controlled with um, with peaks and troughs. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jane, you mentioned, and and as well as Rosalie mentioned, that volumes might increase depending on this scenario. And so let's talk about the managers in the middle there, right? So we, we talked about helping to support your and be patient with your employees. Um, as a manager, you see volumes increasing and you know you've got a lot of work to do, but you also may have some stressed employees. And just, so what are some, uh, some best practices or advice for, for managers in that? And maybe we've already said it, but, but we always tend to talk about senior leadership and employees. So let's talk about the manager for a little bit. I think for me, um, what I said before, uh, it's about leveraging your peers so you making sure that when because you, you, you will feel it right so when you're a leader and you're out there and you're dealing with it it's a bit like you're a duck on a pond so you just on the outside you're just floating around you're taking it easy you're in control but under the water your little legs are going a thousand miles an hour so you can't you can't sustain that right so utilize your peers do it away from your people and there's plenty of opportunities to do that. And when we talk about AOM, when you talk about your load meet, like your LT buzzers, your load meetings, your variance meetings, these are all opportunities where you can sit down and you can share. Um, you can share with each other. So not only how you're feeling, but also experiences. So someone might have an idea that you could actually utilise that might help you and vice versa. Um, and, and it's not just ideas, but it's also the work. So you can guarantee your volumes might be skyrocketing, but elsewhere in the business, they might be actually dried up. So there's support there, but you gotcha. won't know that until you come together. And it's important that you do that um, in those meetings and share with each other. Oh, that's great. That's a great point. And, um, Martin, I don't know if you have thoughts on that in particular, but... Um, that, that seems like, you know, when you when you start looking across departments where volumes may go up in one area, they may go down in another. Yeah, absolutely do. I, I think it's it's got to be a pretty selfless time, uh, Michael. And, and I think, you know, managers uh, for the benefit of the customer really do have to understand, you know, what are my number one, two, three, four, five processes and, and, and then use that in a way that is quite purposeful in terms of executing against that. Um, you know, you, you might have skill sets spread across the, the, the different areas that you can prioritise and deprioritise that will actually get the work done in the way the customer needs it to get done. And 
I think, you know, getting that consensus and getting that um, solidarity across, um, you know, across the group that is managing that particular um, area or areas is is really critical. Um, and, and so, yeah, sometimes you, you do have to put your own, um, you know, your own perfect service uh, aside for the benefit of um, an, another area that um, will obviously felt more if, uh, if it falls over. Yep, yep. And so I, I don't remember who said it. I wrote it down. Somebody said, "Take the opportunity when when we're in a tough times to um, to, to take it further." I, and two two questions come to mind. So you, you all three of you have talked about when you have systems in place, stick to the systems that you you have. What if you don't have a system in place? Um, is that what you mean by take the opportunity, or is it is it something else? And but any- it's probably a bit of both. I would say, yeah, if you don't have a system, get get a system. AOM. <laughs> it's easy you know it's consistent it's great so if you don't have AOM get AOM Um, and then secondly for me um, the opportunity you know how you have a list of things that the nice to do's that you've you've had and you've probably had that for months literally right so there's the opportunity to actually attack those lists so um, for me personally when the work dried up we really had to quickly because Martin mentioned before about performance because if work dries up performance suffers so and engagement suffers as well so you quickly had to look for opportunities where you can address that so things like um, we introduced well we gave opportunities for our people to go and explore um, items that they had in their individual development plans but elsewhere in the business right so we could free them up to go and explore those um, but rather than backfill, what we, we we then created was a group of casuals that we then utilised by um, levering up or down. So part of our load load process with our work, we would um, pull these casuals in when we needed them. And if we didn't need them, then we didn't have people sitting there doing nothing. Um, we also did, because I at the time managed uh, a print and mail function, and we had all this old collateral sitting in the mailroom that hadn't been sorted for years. So we had that, and that was a massive risk because one of the things you aren't allowed to do when you work for a bank is send, send out old collateral. So that's actually a, a breach of um, compliance. So we could sit down and go through and throw out all this old material and make sure we had new material in there. Things like process maps, process documents, all of those things that you don't get time to do, now you've got plenty of time to do. Yeah, yeah. Rosalie, did you have thought on? Yeah. Mine was the flip side of it. So um, in my experience, um, uh, it was normally that there was more work and not enough people to do the work in. Um, uh, If you think about the increase in recoveries and debt collection, um, significantly increased where you had a a, um, situation where some teams were really, really busy and others didn't have um, enough work. The problem is that um, people weren't skilled, so you didn't have that flexibility to move people around. And that was one of the key things that um, that I have learned is essential to focus on, is creating that flexible staffing solutions. Like in JP's example, they had that um, group of casuals, whereas um, it, it potentially could be lending and borrowing between teams to help them for the peak periods. Because um, we know when, when chaos happens, budgets get cut 
So um, you know that there's no um, additional recruitment going to happen. So you need to make the best use of the current um, employees that you do have. But it's about empowering them so that, that when they um, uh, go to another team, um, they can perform, they have the capability and the skill set to be performing where they want to and should. Yeah, it's interesting. And Martin, I want to get your response to that too. But first, I want to mention something to you. Hopefully, it doesn't change your answer. But uh, I, I just saw a study that Gartner did of CFOs in large institutions and what their short-term plans were in case of a, a of a economic turbulence. And you can guess that. Cut, figure out a way to cut wages and outsource work, right? Yeah. But they also asked them what the things were that they would would invest in. And and one of them was the top three. I think it was the third of the top three was invest in existing capacity, which feels like what you guys have been talking about. Martin, do you have a perspective on that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely do. I, I think, uh, you know, the, the cost of actually onboarding somebody into an organization is um, is significant. And I, I think, uh, you know, like, like everything, these um, these times go in cycles and, you know, there will it will go full circle and, and or half circle and, and you will need to return back to, you know, what normal used to be. Um, so retaining those people and retaining those skills um, is critically important. So if, if you have the opportunity to reskill somebody and apply them to um, another part of the business that could actually benefit from that and, and retain them, um, you, you'll get a win-win because you'll create certainty for the employee, but then you you know you won't have to um, invest in those retraining costs uh, I, I was referring to. I think I think the other critical part uh, to invest in is also the forecasting piece mm-hmm. because the more time you know the more time you can you can get yourself to a point where you can deliver better certainty um and and you're not making these decisions on the day but you might be making them a week before or a month before or a quarter before uh depending on you know how, how good you can get at this i think is is really really important as well excellent well that's a, that's a good segue into what i wanted to talk about next which is capacity 22 <laughs> Uh, obviously, as a, as the vendor that's hosting Capacity Twenty Two in Melbourne coming up soon, uh, the you know it's it's showing our new innovations, and one of those things is kind of smart planning and forecasting, ML based forecasting and planning. Um, but it's going to be the, uh, anybody care to tell us about the venue that it's going to be in Melbourne? Maybe we can get a little plug for the for the site, and then we'll talk a little bit about the the fun and why people should go. Absolutely. Look, I, I can uh, certainly share. We're going to hold it at the Metropolis in uh, in Melbourne, which um, is really exciting. Personally, I've never never been there before, but uh, really looking forward to the conference. It's on the 24th of October and certainly open to um, all of our existing client base and, and potential uh, people that are interested and want to understand a little bit more about us. So uh, really excited about the conference. I, I think it, um, you know, it brings together uh, a group of people that are like-minded and uh, you know really want to learn and, and improve um, through uh, understanding the experiences of um, you know what, what we have to offer and certainly their peers across industries have to offer. Yeah, it looks it's good. In a prime, and what's prime that? position too? Prime position overlooking the Yarra River. Ah. Um, so it's lovely. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I see that the the uh, attendance is already booking up there. It's really good to see. I mean, the, the minute we announced it, we started seeing registration. So it sounds like it's going to be a fun event and, and a full day. It's one day. Uh, so the commitment is really a, a day. It's like you said, sharing and ideas with peers and you'll see some new stuff from ActiveOps. You'll, you'll get to meet the ActiveOps staff. You'll get to meet peers in other banks and maybe some from your own banks and, and insurance companies and so on. So very good. Well, that's exciting. I, I guess it's been a while since you guys had an in, on, in-person event, huh? Uh, yeah. I can't <laughs> even remember the last time gotta, we had one. Got to dust off the clothes, the nice clothes, huh? Back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, anything, any closing comments or thoughts about uh, managing during turbulent times or, or, or I, anything else? I just uh, think we've, we've spoken a lot about, like, investment in the people actually doing the work, but you really need to invest in your leaders, I think, we often forget it's like we put people in a, an ops leadership role and then we tend to think, you know, oh, there you go, uh, you'll know what to do. But it's a bit like giving someone the keys to a car that's never driven in their life. You actually need to teach them. And that's why um, I think the AOM method is perfect. It's an investment, it's a framework, it's a process. And if leaders follow that, you cannot fail. So. My number one advice is invest in your leaders. Don't Very, stop. Good good advice. Rosalie, any, any final comment? Well, seeing that JP is talking about cars, I'll um I'll give another example of a car. So um we all drive cars and we know that a car needs to be serviced um on regular intervals. And that is exactly the same with operations. So yeah. just remember that you need to stop, reflect where you are at at the moment repair what needs to be repaired, service what needs to be serviced, and then you know that it's ready for the rest of the journey. Very good. Good teamwork on the on the car metaphor too. Martin, can you can you add to it or do you want to go a different direction? Yeah, no, I think I'll just uh, stay consistent to the line. So I, I, I think that, look, you know, as you would with a, uh, a GPS system to know where you're going to get to and having that control, um, you know, we, I think I did actually use this analogy in, in the last um, catch up, Michael, was, you know, you, it is really difficult to drive through the rearview mirror. So having the ability to control and, and having the ability to actually um, see what's coming at you, I think, is uh, absolutely critical. And um, as, as Jane said, the, um, the the work here that's been done on the methodology through, through the AOM um, method provides that. That's excellent. What a great way. I mean, you can tell you're a team because you think alike, or at least you can pick up the same thread and carry it on. That's that's fantastic. Well, uh, thank you so much, Jane Pretty, Rosalie Spies, and Martin Hogg. You can find them all on LinkedIn, most likely, or you can find uh, go to the activeops.com website, drop us a note, and we'll put you in touch with them as you need it. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, like I said, early in the morning for you guys. So I really appreciate you uh, waking up early. Uh, this, this episode will be on AOTV, but along with other episodes, you can also go to activeops.com and look at our resource hub to find information about uh, our products, about our services that we talked about today, and as well as use cases and case studies, et cetera. And also, if you're interested in Capacity 22, please do hit our website or reach out to one of us, and we'll make sure that you get all the details and you can join the folks in Melbourne uh, in late October, October 24th, to be exact. So thank you very much, and everybody have a great day.